Um, and I have here a bag of seeds. Um, these seeds are like actually breakfast topper seeds, you know, that you can sprinkle on your cereal. Um, but I just this, picked up this one seed from the bag, which is very small, little sunflower seed. And Pauline was saying earlier, that's the heart of the sunflower. It's so small, isn't it? And yet within the seed are the ingredients needed to create a beautiful sunflower, sometimes standing five to 10 feet tall. In that, the potential is within that tiny seed. And in the same way, within the tiny fertilized embryo within the womb is all of the potential to form a unique human being made in God's image. But everything starts somewhere, doesn't it? And it starts small. And in God's power, it evolves and grows. In Genesis 1, we read, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The image of God is a unique phrase. It's only used of human beings. And it speaks of the unique status that we have within creation. The concept of the image of God in Genesis 1 speaks not simply about dignity as human beings, but also about purpose, why we were made. As God's representatives on earth, we've been given a mandate, a purpose, a calling to govern, nurture, and care for his creation, including the life of the unborn child. So most Christians today conclude that life begins at conception, at the moment that the sperm and the egg come together, that moment, conception. And that, should, that life should be nurtured and protected from that point onwards. And therefore, deliberately destroying such a life is therefore wrong, would be wrong morally in all circumstances. Um, the one exception to that rule often within um, thinking, thought, is that if the mother's life is in danger and a choice has to be made, is sort of forced, um, a, choice, a choice is forced between saving the life of the unborn child or saving the mother's life, um, often doctors will try and save the mother first. But even if someone is not convinced that life begins at conception, there is a further reason to treat embryos as if they are human. The development of the embryo is gradual, and at no objective point other than conception can we say that a human life has come into existence. Um, Sean Doherty, who's the principal of Trinity College, he said this, human life is so precious and its destruction so terrible that if we think there's even a small possibility that a human life is at stake, we should err on the side of caution. We should err on the safe side and treat embryos as people, unless we have proof that they are not. So let's first clarify, what do we mean when we use the word life? What does the word life mean? I think life can be more specifically defined as personhood. Personhood. And the concept of personhood, of being a person, has deep theological roots that go right back to the beginnings of the Bible, to the heart of God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we are made in God's image, that we become a person made in the image of God. That to be human is to have personhood. For some, life is defined as beginning at implantation when six days after fertilization the embryo becomes attached to the wall of the uterus. But for others, life begins at the point of viability when, if born prematurely, the fetus would have a reasonable chance of survival. And some say life begins when you can detect a heartbeat 
between three and four weeks after conception, and others believe at birth, when the baby becomes physically independent of the mother. So there's a wide variety of beliefs and views on this subject. But of course, our view is set foremost by our faith in God, by our belief that God, the sanctity of life, the sacredness of life which God has made. Um, for some, Peter Singer, who's a professor at, um, in Princeton University, he's defined a person as a rational and self-aware being who has preferences and is able to make decisions. But when does a fetus actually become self-aware? Many in our modern world seek to separate our humanity from our personhood. So the question of when life begins informs our view on whether abortion can be sanctioned. And when talking about abortion, we have to be really sensitive because it's such a difficult subject to talk about when it's affected you personally or someone that you know. And as a teacher for the last you know, 20 years, I've come into contact with students who've been in a situation where they have been, um, they've found themselves pregnant and it's totally unexpected, totally um, un unprepared for, and it's thrown them into great confusion. But I think as Christians, it's really important that we know what we believe and we know what the, our laws are in the country and how that reflects, our beliefs reflect on the laws of the country where we live. So I thought it would be important to look at a few statistics about um, abortion. Um, worldwide, it is estimated there are 40 million abortions every year. In America, on average, there are about 2,400 abortions a day. And in the UK, there are about 600. And I put some of these stats up on the um, board. Over the last 10 years, number two, abortion rates have decreased year on year for women under the age of 18. And abortion rates have been increasing for women aged over 35. And this is the UK, this is statistics I've taken from the um, government website, which you can check for yourself, which refer to the UK and Wales. Number three says the under 18 abortion rate in 2018 was 8.1, which is per 1,000 women. And this is less than half. So it's interesting to note that girls under 18 are having less abortions, the statistics are going down, whereas women over 30, the statistics are going up. The abortion rate for women over 30, age 35 or over is 9.2% per 1,000 women in 2018 three years ago. This increased from a rate of 6.7 per 1,000 women in 2008. 98% um, of those abortions were funded by the National Health, um, and that's been the same since 2013. Nine out of 10 abortions were carried out under 13 weeks, and this figure has remained constant since 2008. Only 2% of the total number of abortions were due to the risk that the child would be born seriously handicapped. So I think sometimes we can think, oh, the statistics for, um, for people deciding to have an abortion when the baby is unable to survive or has serious um, physical or mental problems um, is high, but actually it's only 2%. And this is quite clearly reflected in this um, bar chart, which shows that the first two columns, the light the light purple is 2008, and the dark purple is 2018. So it's showing a 10-year um, survey of any changes that have taken place. So with all ages, 
15, out of 17, sorry, 17 out of 40 women out of every thousand um, had an abortion. So, sorry, 17 out of every, 17 out of every thousand. Um, and then the dark purple, 2018, was more like 18 out of every thousand women have had an abortion. And then you can see after 30 that the increase is substantially bigger. So when we're thinking about this, what should our response be um, as a church, as Christians? What should our response be? We can make our voices heard um, by contacting our local MP and make, you know, saying that we, we have strong you know, belief that in the sanctity of life um, and expressing that, making that known to our local MP that actually um, abortions should be dropping, not increasing. Um, I think the first thing that we should do is show compassion to the person who's in that situation where they feel totally unable to bring um, a child into the world. And I think more than the actual numbers, um, the question I wanted to ask is why? Why are so many women having an abortion? Um, and the grounds are ground C, 97% of abortions have been performed because the woman feels um, mentally unwell, mentally unable, her mental health is at risk through having the baby, which means often the woman would say, I am I'm unable to support a child. The father isn't around, I don't have parents who are supporting me, I'm alone, I have absolutely no way of bringing this child into the world, I don't have support, I don't have money, um, how am I going to do it? And so uh, the doctors decide that the mother is um, under too much pressure and her mental health is at risk and therefore the abortion is granted. How different would it be if that mother was given practical emotional support? How different would it be if the church as a nation rallied around these women, and many people are doing that. There's an amazing place, Hope Clinic in Bristol, where women who want to have the baby can go and be offered support Amen. and encouragement. As a church, we can show compassion to anyone who is in that situation to say, let us support you, let us help you. And if, you, if the mother is unable to keep the child, there is other options most obvious being adoption. My friend um, Susie is a social worker, an adoption social worker in Bristol, and she said they have literally hundreds of people in the queue waiting to adopt newborn babies. Just this week I met a couple who have adopted a three-day-old little boy, and he's kept the name which his parents have given him, and they're still in contact with the parents so that the child will grow up knowing their biological parents, but being fully adopted and integrated into a loving Christian family. But many men and women experience guilt. The fathers too are impacted by the abortion and may be carrying around a sense of guilt and shame, which has meant that we haven't talked about it very much, the church as a, as a nation. We haven't wanted to upset anyone because it's such a sensitive and difficult subject. But God is a God of compassion. He is slow to anger and rich in love. He heals and renews and restores. Amen. And the Catholic Church has been incredibly vocal. Throughout the centuries, the Catholic Church has said, 
we need to protect, preserve and support the life of the unborn child. And we also need to offer support for those who've been through an abortion. Um, so in the UK, there is a, um, a retreat um, where you can go if you've had an abortion and when you arrive, they give you, they offer you, um, it sounds strange, like a stone that you can carry around that is a symbol of the weight that you've been carrying around with you. And by the end of the weekend, when you feel ready, you can put that stone down at the cross and let go of, uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, let go of any weight or burden of grief, of grief, of grief. Because the loss of a child is a very serious thing. And I think sometimes when um, advice is being given to women about abortion, um, sometimes the full extent of the impact that abortion has mentally, physically and emotionally has not been explained. Yes. Unfortunately in life, we can't just turn back the clock. Once a life has been made, once a human life has been formed in the womb, you can't just magic it away. It is irrevocable and a human soul has been made. I take great comfort from the knowledge that every single baby that has been lost or aborted is with Jesus. Amen. That he gathers to his bosom El Shaddai, the soft-breasted one, both mother and father God, Amen. gathers to himself every child, every baby that has been lost. If we acknowledge that God is the creator of all things, then we should resist the temptation to play God as if we are independent, autonomous beings, as if we have the right to decide. That's hard, isn't it, to, uh, to accept. We need to follow the designer's manual, not just because it's morally right, but because it's the only way that we can flourish as human beings. And while I was reflecting on this topic, um, I just suddenly occurred to me quite powerfully an image of Jesus being in the womb. Jesus could have come to earth age one. Why not just skip the nappies and go straight to age five? Why not skip the difficulty of the teenage transition and skip to, you know, age 14? Or just arrive at 21 and be, you know, completely through all of that transition. But God made himself incarnate of the Virgin Mary he came into her womb as a tiny, tiny embryo. And that speaks to me powerfully of the sanctity of life and the sanctity of the womb, that Jesus himself became flesh Amen. and made himself vulnerable. How much more vulnerable can you be than to be within the womb? What can we learn from the fact that God himself chose to become incarnate of the Virgin Mary? Yeah. Um, on the other side, we have a philosophy called humanism. And humanism is a, rational out, a rationalist outlook which places emphasis on human beings, not the divine. So a, a, a humanist um, funeral would not involve God at all. They might refer to Mother Earth, but there would certainly be no reference to God whatsoever. And humanists such as Peter Singer, who's an American humanist, rejects any belief in the sanctity of life. Um, he says that no, human life does not have value, but it does belong 
to human beings. It doesn't belong to God, it belongs to humans. And humans are God in the sense that humans have the right to design their own future, you know, to navigate their own path, to um, have the power to make choices without any reference to God, without any accountability to God. And generally, humanists would take a pro-choice stance and argue that the quality of life is more important than the sanctity of life. But I wanted to point out that there are so many contra moral contradictions within our society today. For example, in the same hospital, a surgeon may be performing life, a life-saving operation on a mother to save her baby. And another ward, the doctors utilizing modern science with in vitro fertilization or IVF to give an infertile chance to the couple to give the opportunity to give birth. But in the same hospital, a doctor is also ending the life of an unborn child. And so we see there is this contradiction almost. Obviously the circumstances are completely different, but the power of choice, pro-choice, is very powerful. And for some reason, which I still don't really understand, God has given us this choice. He has given us so much freedom, hasn't he, to choose? Um, and in our country, contraception is free. Sometimes I sort of play a trick on my students to say, how much is contraception? How expensive is it? You know, do you have to pay a lot to get contraception? And they look at me a bit confused, like, no, it's free. And therefore, we should be seeing abortions coming down as children, young people, teenagers are being educated about contraception. So Dr. Megan Best says this, the question we now face in public policy is this, at what stage of development does the human life deserve protection? The modern idea is that the status of personhood is not automatically given to any human being, only to those who can perform certain functions. So, so Megan Best, Dr. Megan Best is asking, when does human life deserve protection? In Jeremiah, we read, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, says the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see? Jeremiah, I see the branch of an almond tree. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. There's a very clear sense of divine, divine purpose in the womb. And each one of us today has been chosen. Here we sit. We have been born into a family. We have survived, in some cases, very difficult circumstances. But we know that God's hand of divine purpose is on our lives. And it's our mandate as God's people to protect and nurture not just the earth in which God's given us, 
but human life and the sanctity of life. God's divine creative power is at work in us.